Welcome to the thrilling world of the flying runner, brought to you by the Marathon Mates. Hey there, it's Tony here and welcome to episode 26 of the Flying Runner podcast. It's Boxing Day today here in Australia and I'm flying solo to bring you this episode over the Christmas break and I'm going to share some snippets of gold that we've had from our amazing guests who have joined us in the very first year of our podcast. Yes, during this episode, you will hear six-star stories from Terry Frew, Mari Ma Walton, and Sarah Coltrona. There's some great tips coming down at you during this episode from Kim Tujman, Aisha Rasek, Joel Etherington, Sarah Jane Hipwell, Wayne Cooley, and Kay Mass. Along the way, you're also going to hear from Michael Walton, the race director from the Australian Outback Marathon, and we get a real inside glimpse from Steve Tujman as we recap the very successful Sydney Marathon. I know that you are going to take so much away from this episode. I know that you are going to enjoy it. Are you ready to run? Let's go. So you're now you're now at the end of your training block, I guess, for New York. And um, how have you found the training? And it was interesting. You were saying we did this and then had six weeks off. So I'm presuming that six weeks was back in your community, doing a lot of solo work to make up with the plan. But how have you found the training? And what's been the longest run for yourself to date? Yeah, the the, the training's rough, like. <laughs> Tell me every, about every marathon that says that. <laughs> yeah, the, the training ain't easy. Yeah. I don't even think it's fun. <laughs> like, uh, you contemplate every life choice when you're doing oh, the marathon yeah. training. <laughs> oh yeah, everything comes. I remember I was doing just my so my longest run is my thirty k, and when I was doing it in Alice Springs, man, my head was just going so stupid. Like I'm running, I'm running, and we all know what the brick wall is, and I ended up hitting mine. <laughs> At like 20, maybe 25, 26 Ks. And it was funny because um, I'm in the squad. I'm like, I'm pretty good, pretty good run. Like, I'm at the front. And then um, this one lad, Jabashin, just comes out of nowhere. And he's just, he's, you know, he's, he's one of my brothers. He's, you know, I love that fellow. And he's just like, really just like, I could hear him behind me. And I just kept looking back, looking back and getting into my own head. And he's just barking me, Joe, I can smell you. I'm coming, boy. And <laughs> <laughs> all I'm doing is laughing it off and just like, come on, bro, shut your mouth, boy. And then, um, oh, like, he got into my head and I think that's the worst. Like, you know, that I think that's the, one of your most powerful things. Like, what can, you know, make or break you? You know, that, that can tell you to stop and you'll stop, you know, like, um, and 
I just I was getting into my head. I had like a we we got one of them like things you put around your waist to put like those little things in that you squeeze into your mouth and that. Yeah, yeah, the gels and then um, I was like thinking in my head like, oh, this is getting heavy. This is getting heavy. It's weighing me down. It's slowing me down. I'm thinking, (laughs) Carl, what are you doing to yourself? And then ends up yeah, I was hitting a brick wall and it was just from there it was pretty rough. But um, yeah, the training in a whole like it starts pretty starts pretty good like. After the Canberra, so that was my first six weeks after the 10K run. And you're hitting like, so you're aiming for that 21K now. So you'll never hit the 21 within that six weeks. You, I think you're always about five to six K short. Mm. Um, and the, the training's just, they it, it, it can get fun. Like, um, it's not just constant running. There's, you've got like a pretty like long, not, not such a long run, but you know, like a, for example, for aiming for the 21Ks, you might do like a 14K or 12K. And then the next day you will have like a strength session. So there's a lot of physio and strength put into it that we're um, lucky enough to have a physio as well. And she's a goddess named Sheena. And we had some help from Lee as well. So, um, you know, then the next day on a Wednesday, you might do like a hill sprint, you know, like, and then the next day might be surges. And then you have a rest day, I think one day rest day and then another strength session. And then, um, then you have your long run on the Sunday. Um, and it's slowly just like, progressively overloading with these runs um and like you know with your surges you kind of go hard for a bit so it might be like 2k surges and then you know like a 8k run you know what i mean Mm. um i love them runs because you can get so much out of it like you can really go hard and then um when i have a problem like um every time i run my long run you know i think everyone says to run fast you gotta learn how to run slow and mm-hmm. I just, I just try to kind of like just get it done, you know. I, I, I'm not really slow. I'm always just trying to run fast. Coach is always telling me, Joe, you got to run slow. I've been slow yeah. runs, just, just run. Then long runs, just run slow. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But hurts, we all just want to get it. All to run slow. Yeah, I think in terms of training, you know, you know the saying they say it takes a village to raise a family. Um, you know, I say that it takes an amazing community to train for marathons. So um, being new to Brisbane, um, both um, the in-training running club and Brisbane Roadrunners have really welcomed me into their communities. And, you know, I'm really grateful for the support and encouragement um, they've given me. So I think it's about surrounding yourself with um you know, like-minded people and people who can um, encourage you on those days where you don't feel like going for a run. And they've also got lots of um, people with different um, abilities and capabilities. So you can always find someone who's going to keep you company, whether you want to run a fast day or a slow day. So that's um, really awesome. And during a race um, and marathon, I normally take my headphones with me and there's times where I just need to focus and dig deep. I do put my headphones in and listen to my favourite 80s music. Maybe that's why I'm smiling and you know, I, I, count ten, I count 10 songs and the 10 songs can normally, you know, get me sort of seven and a half to eight Ks and just gets me through those um shouldn't say dark moments, but those tough moments. Sometimes they can get dark as well when you get into your own thoughts. Mm. But um, yeah, music really helps me. What does training look like for you, thinking about or starting to put together that training plan for a 100K event? 
Yeah, um, that will require different training to what I'm doing now. So a 50K will be a training, training run. Uh, you get 24 hours to finish in the 100 um, and I will probably need all of that. Um, and it'll it'll come down to training Jed too because I will need him at the checkpoints for me with, with my drop bags, fresh shoes, socks. Um, so it is a different mindset. You've got to get through the whole night. Wow. I'm not going to be doing it in 10 or 11 hours um, yeah. like the winners. So, yeah. Making sure you've got lots of headlight batteries and mm. recharging for the Garmin and all the rest of yes, the yeah, yeah. going as well. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're fueling too. Um, one thing I learnt this year, I hadn't ever used salt tablets before, um, but I will be taking them next year because I think because of the heat and humidity, I a lot of cramping, mm. um, and that was affecting a lot of people. So because I always make sure I've got the electrolytes, the gel, I don't take food because it just comes home with me. I can't eat when I'm running. Yep. Mm. Um, but, yeah, next next time I will take the salt tablets as well. And yeah. and training, just getting your up muscles working. Like I, I've got Mount Beerbarum 10 minutes up the road, so I'll, I'll go up there once a week uh, so that you get your legs used to going up because you've, you've got, well, there's a bluff and then there's um, another mm. one, baby bluff both two kilometres worth of constant up. So you wow. gotta you gotta be ready for it. I am um, oh, up sorry. muscles. Up muscles. I like yeah, that. Yeah, they're the ones. <laughs> but um but my secret weapon for cramps is pickle juice. I I love my pickle juice. Did he uh, you say that? Do you yeah. take it take it with you when you run? I take it with me. So Right. And ever since I've started doing that, I have not had one issue with cramps. So I don't know what it is. It's my secret sauce. It may, doesn't necessarily work as well for Sharon. It sounds a um, bit more appetising than salt tablets. We all have moments when things get tough and we need to find some motivation along the way. How do you uh, motivate yourself uh, when you're running in a race or when you're training uh, to keep going, to keep getting to the end, how do you, what sort of tips do you recommend or do you use? Uh, well, Tara, I'm a big fan of the walking, but not in the race, in the training. <laughs> if training gets tough, I don't have a problem with walking. I, I just think time on legs, no matter how I'm doing it, is pretty good. And I'm not a total kilometre junkie. I prefer to just be consistent with my training and, you know, one longish run, a few short, faster ones. And if I don't get the long run in, I sometimes look at it this way. You know, I can hurt for lots of weekends. I can just hurt on one day. Yeah. Sometimes mm. I opt for just hurting on one day. <laughs> I, I'm with you. And, and then I'm not real happy with myself. I'm 100% with you on that one, Kim. It's, yeah. Yeah. You've got to just listen to that body. You know you're going to get through that marathon on the day. It's yeah. not your first one. You've just got to listen and do what's right for you. And time yeah. on legs is my motto as well. So yeah. 100%. Time on I, legs I and pickle juice. <laughs> pickle juice. You anything, pickle anything, juice? They, anything they want to hand me, I'm trying it. <laughs> Seriously, I will try it. Um, but see, my I guess the background for me is endurance stuff. So I know I'm pretty okay with the endurance stuff. It's just, is the body going to hold together? I play lots of little mind games. I split the race up into six lots of seven. 
um, and I throw away pretend scrunchies every 7Ks or all these other little mental games that I have. When I get to 37, um, having done a lot of triathlons, I say to myself, you've got off a bike at 30 at feeling like this and run and felt sorry, you've got off a bike feeling worse than this and had to run five kilometres. So that's yeah. what I kind of say to myself at 37, you know you can get through this. You want it to end now, but you know you can do it. So I pretty much just have those. I love that positive thinking that you have to yourself, yeah. that digging deep. I, I say to people, I know it sounds a bit corny, but I liken um, doing these races to grief. You don't know how strong you are until things get bad. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, I like, and then I like the self-talk. Sometimes I can't wait till the bad part starts. Go, <laughs> this is where I get to talk to myself. I like that person that I find when, when things And you do tough. learn a lot about yourself in America. You certainly do. And yeah. In training, when I have had a tough training session, um, in a strange sort of way, I kind of like it. And it's because it makes you stronger. And you realise that if every day when you go out there to train, you come home and you think, wow, that was pretty cool. That was easy. That was fun. That was enjoyable. But what what if you have a tough day out on the course on race day? You know, so it's it's. I think it's a positive thing that you do have tough days. Yeah. Um, right. out, out on the course, um, look, this year it was brutal. You know, we had 43 degrees in the shade. The evenings didn't get much below 24 degrees, which is, again, unheard of. It's very, uh, it was wow. unseasonally warm. Um, you know, normally I would be my, at nighttime be in my sleeping bag all cuddled up, you know, with socks and beanies and whatnot. This year I could, I was lying on top of my sleeping bag and even then the heat from the sleeping bag was making me too warm. So I had to take the sleeping bag off completely and just sleep on my, on my mat. Yeah. Um, but, look, it was so extreme that um, – there were times when I did question myself whether I would finish, and only because we had huge, huge dropouts. This year we lost 30% mm. uh, of our people from uh, Australia and New Zealand. And, uh, look, you know, you just have to dig deep. Um, the, the one mistake that I made this year, which I didn't do so much in previous years, and I think because of the extreme weather, was that all I can think about was, oh, my gosh, I still have another 20Ks to go today. And, oh, my gosh, what about the 90-kilometre day on day four? You know, how am I going to get through that? And what I'd forgotten to do was I forgot to be in the moment. I forgot to say to myself, Marima, just get through where you are right this very moment mm. and just take each step at a time yep. and you'll get there eventually. And yep. um, and once I start, started to rethink um, rethink. I realised that you know what I I, I can do it. And, and and day one, day two, day three, which was between thirty and thirty five kilometres, uh, I managed to talk myself into saying you can do the ninety kilometre event. It is going to be tough, but you will get through it. Just be in the moment. And I actually enjoyed the ninety kilometre stage race much more than day one, two, and three. <laughs> Why did you get into running and why? Why did I get into running? Um, so, as you know, Marimara is my wife. Yes. When we very first met, I didn't do, well, anything, really. Um, <laughs> and I, I think that my head got bigger than my feet, so I just tried to be all impressive. And 
went for a run, tried to do the city to surf and suddenly realized, you know, that, that one of us in the family is a really good runner and the other one's called Michael. <laughs> um, but I got hooked. So we did the city to surf one year and then I did the Sydney half marathon another year and just snowballed from there. Yeah. So I had done no running until I was in my early 30s at all. I'd never run. Yeah. So, yeah, but but yeah. you finish your first race, and once you do the first one, you just you swear you'll never run again, right up until the point <laughs> where you enter the next one. Yeah. yeah. I fun. think I've quoted that to you many times after a marathon, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never do it. Yet, he says at the start line. Yeah. We all have our favourite events, um, Michael. We have fond memories of some, but we all seem to be able to say this one yeah. has been my favourite. So what's been your favourite? Okay, I get asked this a lot, as you can imagine. That I have two answers. The politically correct answer is my favourite race is any one that I finish. I've never <laughs> not finished. So I've been very, very lucky. I've never had to DNF. The, the marathon that I, I ran that I, I think I had the best time in, um, Mama and I did the Great Tibetan Marathon, which is up on far north India in the Tibetan Plateau. It's about four kilometers up. Oh, um, and mm. if I'm brutally honest, I'm not one that trains a whole heap, but I really trained for that race. I really trained. I, I did the right dietary things. I had all the right food. I wasn't drinking. I was very well hydrated. Uh, we went up there and we, we spent enough time acclimatizing. I still did five hours in the race, or five hours and 10 minutes, I think. Mm. But I felt fantastic all the way through. We were running down the Indus Valley, the most beautiful, beautiful place. Mm. We went camping for a few days when we were up there. So the, the, the whole experience of being up there was just amazing, and I would yeah. love to go back. Uh, yeah, so we'll start with the training runs. Um, I always know that I've got a holiday at the end of it, so um, that kind of always helps me get through a training run. Um, in terms of race day, the the way I um, structure my playlist is, is uh, one person that I dedicate the mile to um, and three songs. So, I've got, yeah, that's how I work my way through the, the marathon is just focus on that one mile that I dedicate, dedicate to friends and family. And those three songs just helped me get through that mile. Okay, so you pre-program your playlist beforehand. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You want to hear and then the ones you want to dedicate to people that you're aware of back home that, are, that have helped you get to where you need to go. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's a great idea. That, that sounds far too organised for me, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm sure that there are going to be people listening to that that say, "Wow, I need to do that" because it, there's a lot of sense in that. So yeah, um, the distractionary thing too. I think if you're you know struggling around that sort of 30k, 32k's, and you've got three songs that you know that are coming on, and you know that they're for somebody that you're thinking of back home, mm. it takes your mind off that boring section of that course or that bit where you're feeling a bit of pain and you just start to think of those people. I, I get the concept. I actually think it's pretty good. Yeah. 
I just yeah. don't know if I can time my playlist to <laughs> my markers along the way. I, I, Not when you're running with me. <laughs> I, I think I'd have to write everything down first to get that structure around the miles and then you know, go from there and that just sounds like too much work. So, But, but, <laughs> but it's, it's certainly something I might have a crack at. So Steve, let's uh, get your opinion now and your thoughts around what you've just been through with the Sydney Marathon. To us, it felt like it had a real feel and a vibe that it that we've had before in World Majors. How did it feel being involved as as much as you were? Did it feel like a major? Yes, and like you, um, for many many months leading up to yesterday, it felt like something special. Uh, was happening. And I do have to disclose that I do know the race director, Wayne Larden. I used to work with Wayne back in the early 2000s when we were working in a big financial services company. And I've stayed in touch with Wayne a lot of the years. And so for probably the last 12 months, I've been regularly touching base and saying, look, how are we going with, with numbers, particularly since it was announced that we were going to be uh, one of the candidate events for the Abbott's World Majors. Um, and what felt what clear to me is Wayne had a very clear vision around what he wanted to do to be able to put forward the race uh, in a way that put it our best foot forward yesterday. So it certainly felt like it from the outside, but it equally felt like it from inside the race. Um, for me, I I rang, spoke to Wayne about two weeks ago and I said, look, how are we travelling? I was monitoring how we were going with the numbers. Um, and when he sort of pointed out that we needed the 15,000 to finish. Um, I said, well, is there something I can do? You know, I'm happy to, you know, be at the back of the pack. So he put me in touch with Simon who organised the pacing crew. And before I knew it, I was I was a pacer <laughs> and I was one of the sweepers yesterday. First time ever as a sweeper and it was an enormous amount of fun. Um, it gave me an opportunity both yesterday and at the expo, where for me, which started on Thursday, the opportunity to see what the race felt like from within, you know, being part of, you know, the, the the crew, the volunteers, the many thousands of volunteers who made yesterday so successful. For me, probably one of the touchstones was the number of international athletes I met who had come out to race. And I haven't looked at what the field was based on the published stats, but it just felt like a major where so many people had trouble from the other side of the world. I'd met a young girl who'd flown in from Belgium that morning, on Thursday morning. There was a lot of people from the States. Um, probably half the people I spoke to had come in or, or were, there was a young girl from Mexico uh, living here in Australia. Um, so it really felt like that international feel. It wasn't just a group of Aussies from different states and territories that had you know, turned up to do the race. There was a genuine feel about it from the number of people who had travelled from far and wide to come here. Um, that was probably the first point for me. Um, the second was, again, talking to, particularly on Thursday, talking to the athletes around what their expectations were. And there was a real mixture of people who were experienced and there was a lot of first-timers who'd yeah. come to step up to do their race. Um, and again, it had a feel about it that, that they, particularly the first timers, there was something special about Sydney that they, the reason why they had signed up to do the race. So all of the 
the marketing, all of the advertisements, all of the things that Wayne and the team had been doing to promote the event had caught, had caught the attention of people who were willing to park their hard-earned cash to fly from one side of the world to the other to actually come and participate in Sydney. You are talking you are talking it down a little bit. You also got to meet somebody very special. Not just not just Aaron, but you got to meet Yeah, well Aaron yeah. Aaron got an actual somebody actually asked to meet Aaron. Tell us about that meeting. Well, who, who did you meet? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, there's a bit of a story behind that because we were actually, that, that meeting very nearly didn't happen. Um, I'll build it up slightly. We uh, had the trailer, as I said. We had problems that morning at the hotel with the trailer, with no lights. The lights just went. We had a huge storm as we arrived in London the day before, which knocked out all the lights on our trailer. And we have to be down there pretty early. It's about, we are a hotel about six miles. Long story short, we literally left with two minutes to spare. We managed to get some lights working. <laughs> we got there within, we left with two minutes to spare. When we got there, no, do you remember that? Yeah, we, we almost called it and said, yeah. we, can't go. we can't go, this isn't going to happen. We come all this way and we can't go. <laughs> because they start to close the roads, as you know. Uh, we have to go a certain way. Anyway, we, we got to where we needed to be, but we were very late getting there. We sorted the trailer out, all that, and we headed up we, to hospitality. We're, we were, we're lucky enough that we were able to go through hospitality. So just where the start line of the marathon is, they close that off pretty early, and that's the only way we can get through. That's in front of the, the start line, Lit the literally at the start line. Uh, and we got there and it was closed. And of course, cold sweat ensues. How are we going to get? We don't know. How do we get any? Because it's a maze. And we have again, we have the chair. So, but the guy was so kind, he pulled the gate back and he said, Get across quick. So we legged it across the road. And we got in, and by this stage, we were very flustered. We managed to get ourselves into the hospitality, into the corner. There's, uh, there's so many people in there, and there's a lot of noise. And now, what do you point? Aaron's pointing his pictures up on the wall. Got <laughs> <laughs> lots of pictures. And there's, a, there's a lot of noise in hospitality, and we were a bit flustered because we had to get our drop bag sorted. We had to take some fuel on board, get various things do with what we normally do with Aaron. And one of the marathon uh, London marathon organisers came over and said to me. Um, Elliot Kipchoge has heard about your story and he's just outside. Would you like to meet him? And it's like, well, he's only to ask me twice. <laughs> so said, no, no, no. I'll give it a miss today. Yeah. <laughs> and he come back and tell him. And Sandy couldn't quite hear what they had said. And, and we had said before we went in, we're not doing any radio interviews or anything like that because we've got to get ready. We're running behind and all this. So I said to Sandy, we've got to go outside. And of course, Sandy said, we're not doing any interviews. We're not doing... She I was had... annoyed with him because I was trying to... <laughs> and I said, and I turned around and I said, no, we are going outside. And it was literally, we turned around, we went outside. Elliot was, was stood there. And Sandy was like, nice <laughs> moment. And um, we were lucky enough. We, we 
he had he'd heard our story and he wanted to have a chat with us and we were lucky we got a few minutes with him and it, it was really all so surreal and a bit of a blur it was not long after he'd run berlin and, and we congratulated him on berlin and you know we said we'd watched it at home and he gave us um some of, mm. some of his wristbands with his uh, no human is limited wristbands from his time mm. when top two which we wore and really gave us inspiration during the race and um, this guy gave, gave him the biggest hug, and oh. he was so nice about it. He was just so down to earth, wasn't he? He didn't make strange at all. He just gave Alan a really nice hug, and we got a fantastic um, picture of it, So, which yeah. is up on Aaron's wall. But, yeah, it was just – it was really was like – we sort of, we went back into hospitality, and we were like, did that just happen? <laughs> Wayne, when things do get tough, either when you're in training or you're in a race itself? Yeah, I've, I've kind of prided myself over the years. I think I've only DNF'd a couple of times and that was um, from mechanicals or a flat tyre that I, I haven't been able to change. So um, I think or sometimes... Or a trailer things, that jumped yeah. up and hit your bike. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> I just kind of got this mentality that for every race I do, I I, I want to finish it, mm. and I think sometimes to my detriment, sometimes I've I've been I've been on drips at the end of races a couple of times from um, pushing pushing pretty hard, but yeah, <coughs> um, yeah, I guess to motivate you just. Yeah, you just want to uh, try and get the best out of your mm. body. But I guess as you get older, you've got to actually respect your body a bit too and know there comes a point where that it's a bit silly to push on sometimes too. You've got to know your boundaries and hopefully, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, you're not out there to kill yourself, obviously. But um, yeah, that motivation comes through your training, all the hard work of training you put in leading up to it. As Tim and Tari, I know you guys, mm. you know, you just put in all those long runs and, you know, you just want to, it's the last thing you want to do is pull out of a race when you put in all, all that training. That, basically. That's supposed to be the reward for all those long runs yeah. and the hard part and where you feel like giving up. The race yeah. is supposed to be that. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. Um, but you draw from those really bad training runs or those yeah. hard times. Yeah. And you just go, if I can make it through that, I'm sure I can make it through this. So, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so, usually, like, you've trained for that A race or your main race, um, you know, you're putting, putting in four months of hard training. And, um, yeah, I know when I was doing – I went and did Hawaii. So I did qualify to do Hawaii eventually through um, Melbourne Iron Man. Um, yeah, I was training 20 plus hours a week and trying to work. So, yeah, you're putting in a lot of work to, on top mm. of your work life, big commitment wise. So, last thing you want to do is, um, yeah, not, not finish, <laughs> basically. <laughs> oh, shit. And they get tough, all right. All yeah. marathons are tough. I think just the the end goal, like I'm always always give myself a rough time I want to achieve and I'm I'm pretty tough on myself, so just just the end goal wanting to achieve what I set out for and you know, you, you 
you spend a lot of long, long time training for a marathon, as you know, and um, I, I just don't want to let myself down. Yeah. So that's just sort of keeps me going, you know. It's a really, really tough times in marathons. You know, you get past that 30, 35K mark and you just want to give up and give up and give up. And, you know, I'd, I'd say most people stop and have a little bit of a walk and, and all that, and I do that. And, and it might only be for 20 seconds and all that, but um, all of a sudden someone will give you a slap on the back or come on, mate, let's go, and off you go again, and you, you sort of get your second breath. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've been there. I know I have. Um, it's definitely um, those people around you on the day, they do help you get through it, and, and particularly, I guess, also the crowds on those those major events. And you talked about New York and, and the two-minute crowd there. Um, you, you feel like you don't want to let them down. When you're when you're running past that many people, I guess is is that how you feel? Yeah, yeah, true. And and every now and again, you hear your name yelled out, you know, and you think, wow, you know, they they've noticed you and all that. You can't let them down. So you you, you dig in, you know, you find something, you dig in, and and you keep going. And all of a sudden, you see the finish line, and all of a sudden, it's like first kilometre. I'm, I'm sprinting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, Terry, what was then the motivation for you to take on marathons and in particular to chase the, the six-star medal? Oh, shit. It's, um, I don't know, I'm pretty goal-driven on that. And as, as I said before, I started off on a 10K and then progressed to half a marathon and then I thought I'd try, try a, um, a marathon out and um, I think everyone will say the same. I'm never going to do another one. Um, two weeks later, I'm... <laughs> I'm thinking, I can do another one. And and I had no idea what the six-star was. A uh, good friend of mine, and you know him, John Sellers, um, mm -hmm. wanted me to go to New York with him. So we decided to do New York. And while I was over there, I saw the six-star thing. I thought, what's this? And um, I thought to myself, right, that's my next goal. Mm -hmm. And I achieved that uh, this year did it take you to go on that six-star journey to achieve the six-star? Um, the first three I did in uh, like 11 and a half months and then, of course, I had um, COVID, stuffed everything up and um, so there's nothing for a couple of years and then I did the last three in 10 and a half months. So, but all up about four and a half years. Okay. And um, do you want to just quickly recap your thoughts, I guess, on each of those races? So you started off with New York, How, you know, you just mentioned that briefly. What was your experience of the course and the race itself? Oh, look, like I said before, you, you, I can't beat New York. It's just just amazing. The course, I loved the course. I didn't like Fifth Ave much coming up towards the end because it's just a slow, <laughs> steady grind. Yep. But apart from that, the rest of the course was, was yeah, just simply amazing. Yep. And then um, after that, I did Berlin. Um, got a PB in Berlin, so I was pretty happy with that. It was a, it was um, yeah, the course was all right. It was, it was a miserable, just drizzled the whole time. Um, so pretty cold when I finished that one. Um, two weeks later, I did Chicago. Um, I didn't quite get my goal time in Berlin, so I thought oh, I'm going to go all out in Chicago. Yeah, that that didn't go too well either, but. Um, <laughs> That course was okay, but the roads are pretty rough in Chicago. A lot of potholes, mm. and um, so be careful if you're going to do Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we had COVID and all that. And um, what was next? I did Boston. Yep. 
Boston, I wasn't a great fan of Boston. I'm going to go back and do that one again because it's the only one I didn't do under four hours. So mm. I, I was a little bit cautious in my training. Um, but yeah, look, Boston's Boston. It's I, I love Boston City itself. I think it's an amazing place. Um, the course, starting out in the country and coming in, like you don't get the, the same crowd effect unless probably the, the last 10Ks when you head into the city and and all that. And then once you hit the old sit-go sign, um, the crowds go crazy and all that sort of stuff. So the school's cool. But um, that's early on on the race. The old screaming girl screaming out everywhere and all that. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that's the case. And, and then you hit the series of, of hills, you know. Um, Heartbreak Hill being the last one there. That's um, pretty tough going there as well. But, you know, the, the course is okay. But, uh, yeah, it's... it's you get a little bit lost sometimes when you haven't got the crowds cheering you on and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then after that, went to London. You were there. I think you were both there, weren't you? you in London. Yeah, we, we both were, yeah. Um, oh, look, London was just simply amazing too. I love, love the city and all that. The course, love the course. A lot of, a lot of landmarks there, you know, um, running over the Tower Bridge and and past Big Ben and all that sort of, you know, it's pretty, pretty special times there as well. Um, and then, yeah, of course, this, this year I did the um, Tokyo Six Star in Tokyo with my family mm. there and and you there as well. And it was just, yeah, just a pretty special moment, that one as well. So that brings to a close our final episode for 2023 it's a really big shout out to our marathon mates and our guests who've joined us during this our very first year of the podcast a big thank you of course to tim and tara ellis from team ellis who i love catching up with most monday nights so that we can talk running and somehow put it into a podcast and bring it to life and uh, and share it with the world. For us, it's a lot of fun, and I hope that you enjoy what we do as well. We look forward to conquering even more in 2024. We've all got our plans. We're all set to go. We're not really taking a break, and we will return very soon in 2024. Until then, happy running. Happy running.